podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the penultimate episode of the 2023 Rugby World Cup preview series. It's hard to believe, but we are almost there. The World Cup starts this week and to round things off, we're going to be looking at the world number one, the boys in green of Ireland. Ireland have never met it past the quarterfinals. We don't need to be reminded of that, but this impressive game plan and even better form line. Can we dare to dream just yet or is it is it too soon? Is, is even that putting the mockers on us? I don't know. Joining me to look ahead to Ireland's tournament are two provincial podcast hosts, both of whom making their second appearance. So welcome on firstly to host of the Harper and Rugby pod, Jeff Pagano. Welcome, Jeff. Hello, Kion. Thanks for having me on. Always great to have you. And making his return is a man of the returning second row podcast, Mr. Pork Kelly. Welcome back, Pork. Thank you very much, Kion. Great to be on again. It's always good to have you, of course, lads. And this is episode number, what was it? 12, I think it is, and every single one has been started the same way, the excitement level. So this is going out, we're recording this seven days from away from opening night. So Jeff, where's your excitement levels right now? Well, yeah, uh, first, like I said, Kyle, thanks for having me on, and uh, hello again to Parik. Yeah, the, the thing about the buzz um, is that like over the past few months, there's been so much uh, to distract us rugby nerds. Uh, there was uh, the world under 20s, that uh, way too drawn out uh, Johnny Sexton situation, the World Cup warm-ups at the Summer Nation Series and the Rugby Championships, which brought their own endless talking points like uh, Owen Farrell and his attempted tackles, Eddie Jones and his eventful pressers and the Springboks and their creative benches. But uh, for myself as an Irish fan, I, it didn't really sink in that the World Cup was upon us until the actual squad was announced last weekend. And we saw that those pictures online of them all actually getting on the plane and going to France, or should I say going back to France where they'd already been last Saturday. But um, I, I have to be honest, not only did all of that 24 hour news cycle fodder distract me from the actual kickoff of the tournament itself, just to step outside the Irish bubble for a minute, it, it meant I, I actually had to be reminded that the very first match is actually France against the All Blacks. I mean, if you if you had to handpick a pairing to kick off a tournament that brings together the two hemispheres, I'm sure even Irish fans would be hard pressed to argue that uh, this is the one. So yeah, from now until things get underway until the, at the Stade de France on September eighth, I'd say the buzz all over the rugby sphere is just going to be growing even more with each passing day. Absolutely, and Porik yourself, for you, is is it that opening night game that that has you on tender hooks, or is it Ireland against Romania or or other games? I'm just I'm just giddy for it to all get started because like we've talked about the draw like everyone's talked about the draw and the ridiculous nature of the how lopsided it can be but think about how actually there's so many pools of death now like we're in a pool of death Wales are in a pool of death England could end up being in a pool of death given their form it's just incredible it's going to be the, one of the most open group stages of a rugby world cup I think we're ever going to see and it's incredible. I cannot wait for it to start. I can't wait to watch every single bit of rugby I can. I love watching the tier two developing nations because you don't really get to see them as readily, as easily as we will now. Because 
And that's what I'm looking forward to, seeing what they can do, seeing the Chiles, the Romanias, the Uruguays. And that's what the World Cup is about, giving them their spotlight because they don't get that the rest of the time. And if World Rugby get their way, they won't get it the rest of the time. So it's great to have them on this platform. I can't wait to see every second of rugby I can. Yeah, it's it, it it promises to be a cracker. We know that. And I suppose like Ireland's head coach, Andy Farrell, you, you could say he's a tier two nation boy, you know, with the way England are going, but we'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Though. But he, he is one of the storylines because everywhere you look, there's a question about coaching, be it a positive one like Farrell or Galtier or kind of a reductive one, like say an Ian Foster, a Steve Borthwick and conversations like that. And, I suppose, firstly, Park, I just want to look at Farrell's four years as a whole. It's been a winding road, but, you know, it, apart from the slow start, it has just felt like it's just gone up and up in the, la- in the last two years. It really is mad to actually think back to four years ago and just to listening, to remembering all those interviews post-match going, it's coming, it's coming, we're going to get there, this performance is there. And you're like, really? Because it, it didn't look it at the time. Like, you know, I think everyone who's honest can see there was a shape there, but nothing was actually really working. And then to see that kind of click over the space of 18 months, it's incredible. And you can actually see now the journey that they went on and you can see the blueprint that was there four years ago coming to fruition. But what's really impressive about the style of play and how the team are doing, it's not their final form. You know, this is, this is just another step. It's just another phase. You think, also that Farrell has his guys as well that he's based that he's based his success around and he's brought players through he's tested guys he's given guys caps but he has his guys and I think his success has come from going I believe in you you're bringing something to my squad and you know I think that's that's that set him up like that and like not finishing less than third in the Six Nations you know which is the, the bare minimum requirement I know but even through the not so good seasons, we were still, he was still getting the results that don't disappoint an Irish fan. If you think about it, like we're not happy, but we're not sad at the other end either. You know, it's that kind of like, well, this is the bare, he's got the bare minimum done. We can only go up from here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as he, as we will talk about, like, and did mention there, it was a slow start, Jeff. And it was, it was, uh, we were questioning how Ireland played. You know, it looked a bit blunt at times, especially in attack. You think back to, was it, the, I think it was 20, 2021 Six Nations in particular, before the England game where it all started to click. It looked blunt. But now this team, the, the style of rugby, you look at lads like Matt Hansen and James Lowe, the untidy wingers with the smile on their face, they, they epitomise what Ireland are about. And there's probably a genuine question to be asked. Results aside, yeah, they've won a Grand Slam and that's the pinnacle of any Irish team has ever got to. But aside from that, this is probably one of the best versions of an Irish team that we've ever seen in terms of the product of what's on the field. Yeah, I mean, um, I suppose if you if you like if you point to that uh, series in New Zealand, um, I'm just going to sort of piggyback on what uh, Parag was saying because uh, you know at the risk of um, my words matching my accent when it comes to having me sound anything like Ted Lasso, uh, the key component to this uh, Andy Farrell squad has been belief. I mean, like Parag said, he 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 lets them know that he believes in them, um, and this is a quality that showed before that New Zealand tour. 
Although I reckon um, it was then that that's where we all got to see it because it wasn't just that we won that series on their soil. We won it after being beaten 42-19 in that first test. I mean, Irish sides in the past would have crumbled after starting a series like that. But um, remember, we scored first in that opening test in Eden Park, courtesy of the man, I seem to recall. Um, mm. just, despite being well beaten, um, we were to get right back to that plan for the rest of the series. And actually, in all three matches, we scored within the first five minutes. And if that doesn't show belief, then nothing does. I mean, who knows? Maybe Andy really does have a belief sign pinned to the dressing room wall. But uh, what I do know is that while there have been a few bumps along the road, like the little scare we had against Samoa, I'd say the same could be said for any team in any code on a long winning streak. It's, it's, it's like, like, again, like Parik said, it's not so much, um, you know, the, the tactics have been, have been, have been sound. He's been selecting the team to, to, to fit the tactics, but overall, this is a team that that's, um, you know, we always say, uh, oh, getting past the quarterfinals, getting past the quarterfinals. This isn't a team that's interested in getting past the quarterfinals. They, they're, if they're in a tournament, they're there to win it. And um, that seems that attitude that comes from them. So I guess to summarize, I guess the biggest importance we can put in that series in New Zealand is that it showed us as fans to have as much belief in what this group is doing as they have themselves. I mean, since they went on to even further success since that tour, I see no reason to doubt they can go on to even more. Absolutely. And it is that kind of, again, to use the word belief and just just courage in what they're doing as well, because it takes a lot of um a lot of courage to actually play this on ball brand rugby, this to high ball and play time. You know, like Ireland are running teams into the ground in terms of how in, how intense they are, not necessarily with size, but with speed. And I suppose, Parrot, to kind of come back to you, like, Jeff mentions the test win down in New Zealand. They followed that up by beating South Africa at home. And then they went on and won a Grand Slam, you know, this this year. Like when it comes to scaling the mountain and that belief, like what what is like what could hold them back? Like they they have done everything. They are a very confident team. Like I I don't want to say, you know, here's reason X and Y that Ireland will lose, because that's not what we're we're gonna aim for, but like do you think, would you hold the belief that there's just more to come from this side? I, I do think there's more to come for them, especially going forward. I think how we play lends itself to there being a lot more options in what we're doing. I think taking that attacking burden off Sexton, Bernard Crowley, letting Hanson, Lowe, Ringrose come in at first receiver just helps that helps cause defenses to think that bit more Our, we're good there'll be times we'll struggle defensively but i think that's why we want to play on ball like we're, we're a bit more an on-ball team now we want to run teams ragged like you're saying we want to run teams through and i think the big thing that this team will focus on is how they've got here their goal is to win the world cup i think they seem to be a long-term focus they only have two types of focus long-term and short-term so right now they want to win the World Cup. Come training on Tuesday, they want to beat Romania. And that's the focus. And then when that's done, they'll want to beat Tonga. You know, it's it's short-term focus for long-term gains. I think that's where this team's strength comes from because they get it from energy. They get it from people in camp. And you see with some of the selections, I know people question some of those selections, but you can see that's why like a kill coin is there, why an Earls is there. It's personality based as much as skill based. And if you're a 50 50 
call, you want to be the best person to be in camp if you're the same ability as someone else. Well, and it's it's a very fair point. We'll get into the squad as well because you know, as you said, personality is important. There are big personalities in that dressing room. Again, someone who stands out to me is Mac Hansen. You know, he goes in there. No one knows how he's training. There was a lot of, dare I say, waffle um, being talked about in the media of, oh, he can't defend. It's like, find me one example that says he can't defend. And he just went in there. Andy Farrell liked him straight away. He got man the match in his debut. And he has never looked back. And this is what you want in a squad. And like the third street man panel, everyone, everyone has seen it now at this point where, what, eight days from, you know, at the earliest from when you listened to when it was named. No keen Healy, no keen Pernicast. That's really all that we can that we can say in terms of talking points. One of those was injuries, one of those was the split. It's insanely cohesive. Like it's like I know it's a bit of a running gag for for some. And this is essentially Ireland rugby club. This is essentially a club side because everyone knows what they're doing. They might as well be together, you know, 365 days a year. So with that in mind, Porek, obviously you said there was no real surprises. What do you make of this squad? And I suppose depth is kind of an almost sometimes overused talking point because realistically, if you're a third choice in every position is playing, you're not going to win anyway. But it is a deep squad. It is a confident squad. So are you happy with, with the selection? I, I really am. Like it's, there's no real, like I said, there's no real surprises. It's a good squad. It's one matches. You know what I mean? I think what a lot of, so what not a lot. Some people need to remember this might not be the best group of 33 players, but this is the best group of 33 that play Andy Farrell's game. And they're two very different things. Andy Farrell has a way he wants to play rugby. And if you don't fit that, you're not going to the World Cup. I think that's why Stockdale's not there because he's a good, hard running finisher of a winger, but he doesn't have the ability to step in as first receiver, as fluidly as, say, Jimmy O'Brien, who'll end up on the wing, like or Keith Earls, who can play 13 and wing and at a push fullback. And there's the difference between a lot of the kind of the fringe calls. It's what else are you bringing and how well do you slot into my game plan? Like, I was gutted for Prendergast, and he is, I say he's number 34 on that that team list. of, And it was, if there's an extra forward, he's there. Um but the squad, I think you've got to be happy with it. It's a squad that's won things. You know, how can you not be happy with a squad that's winning? And yeah, that's kind of it. It's like, it's 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 such a boring squad to talk about, to be honest. Because <laughs> what can you say? It's It's been there, done that. It's got trophies. It's got one more to win. Yeah, well, I, I feel a bit seen there because I managed to get an hour talking about the squad on Sunday but and that wasn't even emotions because I knew what was coming it was literally down to with Los Gear Prendergast that was the only talking point and I suppose Jim, we wouldn't be doing our jobs here if we just came out and said this squad is brilliant this squad is excellent this if France had these 33 players they'd select them like that's not the case but there are positions some of which of weakness and I know on, on your page on, on YouTube you've gone through you know, different position groups that some are weaker, some are stronger, some have better depth than others, some have unknown depth, like open side. So with that in mind, is there any positions that stand out to you as weaker? I don't want to say weak, but weaker mm. than the rest. Yeah, I mean, like, 
much has been said about the squad. Like we say, it was, it was, it was more or less set in stone long before it was announced. And uh, I mean, given the way they played, I, I can't really find a whole lot wrong with our, what we consider our best 15. Now that's not to say they're guaranteed to win everything. I'm just saying it's, you know, it's more than good enough to be at least a match for any other team. I just, I suppose where we're likely to be tested. I mean, you can turn that, you, you could turn that versatility thing maybe the other way and say that because we've gone for more versatility um, and on the fringes of the squad rather than specialty, um, you know, it, it, it could, it could, if we, if we lose a couple of players, maybe in key positions, like maybe someone like a Josh van der Fleer as a, as a natural seven or Hugo Keenan as a fullback, um, you know, we, we could be tested with the people backing them up. And obviously Keenan Healy's loss was a huge blow. Uh, he was always going to be the principal backup to Andrew Porter. But even then, I, I mean, I just want to be clear. What, while I'm saying our reserve options might be a weakness, um, we, we've seen time and time again over the past couple of years how others can do excellent work. Just look how Finley Bealham and Tom O'Toole doing so well at tight heads. Uh, look at Stu McCluskey playing his way back into serious contention. So I, I'm not saying it's out of the question for the Jeremy Lockmans of this world to step up if required. I mean, we'll just have to see. Um can I just say one more thing on a weakness? Yep. This isn't this isn't really on the squad uh, on particular selections, but uh, it's it's just something I wanted to say. It's it's on it's on the whole na- uh, area of discipline. This can apply to all twenty nations. And obviously the main talking point we're talking about discipline at the moment is high tackles and red yellow cards and going to the bunker and all that. But I'm talking as well about discipline in every aspect of the game. I just want to get this off my chest. For Ireland in particular, I have this recurring nightmare where we're four points behind in a knockout game in France with the clock ticking down. We win a penalty to give us a five-meter line out only to get done for blocking as we as we set up the mall. I mean, I, I, I'm running on the assumption that if I say it on enough pods, it won't happen. But seriously, it, it's something that could really hurt us if we're not careful. But no, um, back to the squad, it's like, you're afraid to say that it's perfect, but I think Parik got it right. It's like, you're talking about these squads. It's not just about the individual players. It's how they work together for the coach and the way he wants to play. And um, there's really, there's really no, you know, there'd be, there'd be many that'll be disappointed. That'll be on the fringes outside the squad uh, that didn't quite make it, but it's definitely a good 33 for Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. And there is, you know, elements to it that people will say are weaker. And I, I suppose I might just, jump in there and I mentioned this in my own but like say a Jeremy Luckman who some people point to well Jeremy Luckman did held out and locked out Munster scrum against France Malherba one of the best tight heads in the world in the URC final you look at say a Joe McCarthy Joe McCarthy looks like five times the player in green than he was in blue because he was a penalty machine in blue and that's not disrespecting him he's probably just trying to get up the pecking order whereas with Ireland he might have just been told just keep it easy. You don't know what the coaching messages are. You look and say, well, Peter O'Mahony's our backup seven. Do we have a lack of seven? Well, Peter O'Mahony can do a job at seven. You know, he can, we know he can. You, you, can, you can look at maybe um, say Jack Crowley, oh, if he has to go to 12. Well, if he has to go to 12, he has to. Like at the end of the day, and I've I've said this for a long, long time, if Ireland get to a situation where they're without five or six starters again in the World Cup quarterfinal, we don't deserve to be in the semi-final because find me one World Cup winner with the exception of the New Zealand out-half situation in 2011 where they had to go down and down the pecking order. It just doesn't happen. You can't win World Cups with lads who've played, you know, seven URC games and have to be drafted in or the old Belvedere under-12s as Andy Farrell quit before. It just does not happen. And I suppose 
it's it's a good starting point to start from well is our 23 strong yes are they trusted and proven yes some even outside of that like O'Toole as you mentioned like McCluskey like say a Keith Earls or Jimmy O'Brien who are unlikely to feature in the match day 23 and that's that's what you need you don't need to have 50 ready to go starters you just need to have 23 and a slice of luck as well South Africa had in 2019 New Zealand were by far the best team in 2015 I'll, I'll give them that but typically you, you need to stay injury free and I suppose part before we move on to the pool I might just ask you like how important do you think Ireland's injury record is going to be because touch wood and don't want to be putting the mockers on or anthem they have been fairly decent in terms of injuries in the past two years it's just been Sexton for a game, you know, Henshaw or Ringrose for a game, um, say a Matt Hansen or a James Lowe for a game or two. It has been fairly decent, but would you say that's nearly more important than, as I was saying, well, we need a Joe McCarthy to be James Ryan, which we don't. I th- I think every team is going to need to be healthy. Like, look at France. They've, they've lost so many influential players before the tournaments even began. Four starters already. Yeah, like... And the thing is, France have a system where they make use of that incredible depth they have, you know, unlike England, who aren't making use of the incredible playing pool they have. Sorry, not depth. But Ireland need to go through this World Cup injury free or as near to injury free as possible. We saw what happened before when five players get injured for a big game. We've been there. We've seen the results. You can't take out five starters with injury especially late today it does depend how these injuries come if someone gets injured week one and someone gets injured week two and it, and it drips through like that that's okay because you're you're rotating people in and the flow isn't broken but if we have a situation where we're like suddenly snap down five that's going to be the problem i don't think injuries per se will cause us too much bother it's just how they come and how long they last. I The guys are there to step in. I think we have the depth in the, 20, the first 30, really, to, that can make the difference. If we're then going into the reserves coming up and having to come in, not that they won't do a job, it's, that's where you're going to lose the cohesion that's been built in camp now. And that's where the damage is done especially because if an injury happens on a Saturday, you can't begin the replacement till a Monday or Tuesday from memory. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember the exact time. So suddenly you're kind of going rest day review day. And then the, the new guys in who wasn't there for the review day, you know, so they might get sent the notes, but they're not interacting. They're not in there. They haven't been there for the previous two weeks in those warmups. I think it was one of the, this not the silly things, but I think it's one of the maybe we're going to look back hindsight. I'll say it now. If we're looking back at hindsight 2020, players had to come in and they weren't up to up to speed. I think naming drip fit cutting players in groups up until that final squad announcement might be an issue, but that will be hindsight 2020. They should be there till day one running opposition and being there for those team meetings. I understand trying to get the energy of a group right before a World Cup, but that will be complete hindsight 2020 if that comes to fruition. There's not much more you can do there. They've been talking about their training, how happier they are. 
it's more rugby focused. We're seeing less soft tissue injuries now than we were before in the Six Nations. Everyone was getting knocks. I think we were doing that heavy lifting for this tournament six months ago in that fitness terms. So they're not rebuilding up a lot of fitness that say the likes of England are doing or the likes of France get to do now. It's the only time they actually get to do it is to get that time that Ireland take for granted. Like Ireland have, Andy Farrell gets his squad whenever he wants them. France only get them a week around a game and the two weeks for a tournament. So everything that we think is an Irish bonus and Irish strength, everyone else has now. So I think by using previous tournaments like the Six Nations to build up the fitness and build up the strength so we can concentrate on rugby going to this one, we're in a lot better state for those soft tissue injuries going forward. And it's probably important to note that, you know, you look at 2019, Ireland really, you know, they really went for it in terms of, you know, SNC prep and they burnt out. They simply burnt out when they went to Twickenham. They did the same thing in 2007. But this Irish side, you know, if you want to take Munster and Leinster as the last two teams to finish, they were only looking at about two to three weeks off. I think Munster players had two weeks off. Then they had a week of training with Ireland. Leinster would have had three. Connors would have had four. It's not a lot of time to have off before you're going back in. And then they had maybe two weeks on, one week off. So you're not going to be losing a whole lot of fitness. It's essentially um, the same amount of time out as a small injury. That's that's really all it was. And they are kind of in that flow now. Yes, there are a few injuries, and we do pray that Dan Sheehan comes good, Ronan Keller and Jack Conan. But I suppose we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it comes to them. Realistically, we shouldn't need those guys until we play South Africa. Realistically. And we don't know what stage South Africa will be by the time they get to that game. They could have already lost the game by the time that comes around. And I suppose... We get into that pool B, pool of deaths. Well, there's there's possibly three of them at the moment. How do you see it unfolding? Who do you have getting out of the pool? I know I'm probably jumping the gun because I want to come back to the earlier games, but who do you have getting out of the pool? Uh, I'll I'll start at the end. I think Ireland South Africa they make it out of the pool, and to be honest, I think that's just going to be the way it's going to uh, end up. And I think Scotland are going to scare both ourselves. And South Africa, I think anyone who thinks they're not going to scare us hasn't been watching them play. I think what's going to be good for us is that we start fast and they start slow. Uh, if you look back at the Georgia game for Scotland there last weekend, like they're 6-0 down at halftime, you know, but come the second half, they got going again and they put on cricket like 30 points. It, they're starting slow. They're a team that starts slow at the moment. I think that will hold them back going into this tournament. I think Ireland are going to have a really nice mixed team versus Romania. Johnny Sexton's a start because he'll need the the leg game in the legs. We're going to mix again for game two and then we're going to go full out against South Africa because what I think a lot of commentators are forgetting is we have 13 days to rest after that game. We don't have to make a call on injury for seven days if you think really. So we have to go all out for South Africa. We have to go all out for Scotland. It's just how it's set up for us. I think the order of games is going to help us, one, stay healthier, and two, get the best out of the performances 
so he can continuously improve as the tournament goes on. So yeah, I think it definitely suits Ireland this draw. It's it's a terrible pool, but the draw, the sequence of games definitely helps us. And you know, as this team I think is actually sponsored by adversity, mm-hmm. not belief. It's <laughs> this pool and side of the draw is adversity squared. And I think Andy Farrell's there just going around skipping in glee that he can just like just say the word every every couple of seconds. It's definitely Ireland's pool to lose given the draw. Interesting. I, I understand that, but then I suppose, you know, we looked into South Africa's as well. They start with a tough game, but they had the rugby championship. Then they have um, Romania, I think, after Scotland, and then they've also it's essentially a week off before they play us, and then they have two weeks to prepare for a quarterfinal, if, especially if they win those two games. So there's, there's that too, but I, I do take your point, and I hope we're not, you know, coming back to this and saying, well, the adversity got to us or whatever, tongue in cheek in, in five weeks time. But Jeff, over to you now. Who do you have coming out of the pool and what way do you see it unfolding? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same as Parik there. I mean, it's, um, I mean, again, I'd hate to go back to belief again, but uh, if I mean, we have to, if we're going to have serious designs of going deep into this tournament, we've got to assume that um, the matches against Romania and Tonga are ones we can win with rotated squads. So I spoke earlier about, you know, we're going to need alternatives at positions like one, seven, 15. I reckon this would be a good time to get those bedded in and allow us to protect the key players. And, um, and also as Parik said, like we can, we can't ignore the need to get some game time into Sexton boots uh, before we play South Africa. So I, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't be too surprised to see him start against Romania. So he can, I mean, it helps as well. He's captain for our first match of the campaign as well. So, um, but the, the, the way they do pan out, it means we can build our way to the spring box, give that match everything. And then, you know, take the bye week uh, to regroup and, and see how the squad is looking before facing the Scots in Paris. I mean, it's, it. I, I really think, and I think this is what Andy Farrell does with his team anyway. We can talk about how the other teams are set up and what they're, what it's like in their camps, but I think they're kind of focused on what they're doing and what they, what they need to do um, for, for their matches and, and, and let the others sort themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I might just come to you on the, the rotation point there, Park, as well, because there has been a lot of debate. Some reckon Ireland would go full strength against Romania, give the first team a proper hit out together as combinations and then maybe rotate for Tonga or so on. But if you were in Andy Farrell's shoes, how would you, you know, shake things up over the first two games? And reports are leading us to believe that the vast majority, if not all the 33, will play those two games. So what what way would you go? I think you have to mix a match. I, uh, I think you go roughly about half your, your starting pack in inverted quotes. If I commas, so I'd start say for the first game, I go Furlong, Porter, Herring, for example. I'd put McCarthy at five and Ryan at four for that game, or put in Henderson there, and then do Baird one off Conan. I play Conan if he's fit just to get that game. I think that's gonna be an easier game for someone coming back from injury. And I play Van der Flair. I would give Gibson Park and Sexton run out together. And I think McCluskey starts with possibly Henshaw at 13 with Hanson, O'Brien and Earls. That would be my, I, if that is a starting 15, I'm going, I'm going to give the lottery numbers, uh, start doing the lottery, but no, I, I, you've got to mix and match. There's, there's, there's no point 
having guys cold going into South Africa, full stop. I think you either go 40-60 as in 40% starters, 60% fringe players, then you go to 60%, 40%, and then you go full hog against South Africa. Something like that, I think, will work and will give the best kind of bang for the buck for game time in, into players. So essentially you're going minutes over, excuse me, over combinations. Yeah, like I, it depends on the combination, you know, like who are you worried about going into this? If you're worried about Lachman for South Africa, then you play him with the person you need to play him with for the first game and you put him as sub for the second game with that person. I think that's how you do it. But you do them together. You you keep those little segments together, but you do it in a way where you're kind of going, right, 60% of my team is going to be starters. 40% isn't for Tonga. 40% is going to be starters for Romania. 6% isn't. So that way you're building the team up to South Africa without killing them for minutes or overplaying them or mixing the combinations too many too much. No, that's, that's... We also we also can't rule out the uh, the option of going with eight forwards on the bench against Romania and eight backs on can. the bench against Tonga. <laughs> I, th- I think we can rule it out. Now. Well, it could be an it. option. It could be an option. Don't, I don't, don't think. I don't think it is. <laughs> you have to have props on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like uh, I, I know Earls see... do a job, like you know, but still, <laughs> that's I what I'm see, saying. I could see McCluskey as a good poker if we had two six foot four props, but I don't mm-hmm. believe we do. But that's that's an entirety. Bundy. <laughs> yeah, Bundy's played at eight. Bundy's not the same height as Wodlowski. But listen, that's <laughs> that's a different conversation. This is what Razzy Erasmus and our Ireland's obsession with South Africa does to us. Mm. So we'll just we'll move off that and move outside the pool. We you both have Ireland getting through. I do as well, even though I hate putting any predictions out there for fear that I I'm the curse. Um, so Boric should Ireland get out it looks like it'll be France New Zealand the rugby world would celebrate if Italy got out of that pool but it is just it is about just slightly more than zero chance that they do it's it's very unlikely Um, so with that top half of the, the tree looking at it of pool A and pool B can Ireland march their way to, to the final or is it too almost too soon to say they will. They will win the World Cup. I'm sorry. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Like there's, I'm more confident about this World Cup than the, than two World Cups ago. I don't think anyone was confident last World Cup, but you know, I was, I, I was, I was, I'm just confident about this group of players. I think you have a, a block of three matches. Chapter, close the door. Then you have one game and then a block of three. You know, then you have technically a block of four games. You just win the next one, and you just win the next one. And we're a team who at the moment knows how to do one thing very well, and that's win the next one. And that's all we have to keep doing for those four games when we get out, once from Scotland on. And I think we can win the World Cup. I, I just don't see any point in sitting here going, oh, I don't know. I'd be like, be like the, the carry that going, ah, now, you know, who knows what's going to happen here? Like, we're, of course, we should be confident we're going to win the World Cup. Like, we should. We've we've won 13 on the bounce. 14, yeah, 13 on the bounce. Even if the, we went to Bayonne and tried to go 13 and Bayonne and create the ultimate curse. 
<laughs> on on that run. But no, like we should be confident. We should believe in this team now at this stage. And we should believe that the game plan is going to work because it's been working so far. I think there's a few kinks. I think there's that was being worked out. I think Samoa showed us something that we need to worry about, which I think knowing that group, they're going to solve in a heartbeat. And our attack isn't at full strength yet. It's still coming together. And for once, I actually believe the saying we're holding stuff in reserve for the World Cup. I think we're going to see some mental stuff from every country, but definitely from our attack. Okay. There. I I may need to reconsider how often we have you on this podcast because we can't <laughs> have this being the issue. Jim, Unbridled optimism. <laughs> Well, I you may you may want to blinded. you may not want to pass over to me then, Kaylan. You don't you, you may not want to know my no, answer. Jesus, I just want someone <laughs> to sit in the fence and to not be filling me with any more anguish than I already have because I have two predictions for the World Cup and one of them I do not want to say out loud. So, Jeff, which way do you see it going? And I assume <laughs> we know what way you're going to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, on our pod, we had a superstition during the uh, during the Six Nations where, where it, was, it was a joke where we we weren't allowed to say the, the phrase Grand Slam until it was until Ireland, you know, was done and dusted. But um, I think you know I can hardly use the word belief a gajillion times without answering a question like this by saying, I mean, I believe the same as Parig, Ireland all the way. Um, I mean, and you know, obviously we're not saying it's going to happen. There's a lot of variables. There's many strong contenders, France, South Africa, New Zealand. But I mean, as Irish fans, we can't forget. I mean, there is literally nothing else Andy Farrell could have done with this squad to earn our faith and nothing more he could have done uh, to earn our faith. And look at our record, look at our ranking, look at a trophy cabinet. I mean, we can definitely do it. Um, you know, there's a few injuries along the way. There's, uh, there, there, there's going to be, of course, there's going to be adversity. Um, there's going to be all that going on. Um, but uh, I think we are holding back um, and the, we have different ways of playing. And when we go through these other options as well, I mean, you had, um, you know, even without Johnny Sexton, you had situations where we had, uh, you know, Crowley and Ross Byrne, uh, either side of a, a ruck. You don't know which way the ball is going to go. You don't know who's going to be first receiver. There's all these different options that we have throughout the squad. So we're ready in every sense of that word uh, as it is. So I've, I've no problem going going on the record saying that we will. So uh, it's Ireland for me. Sorry, man. Uh, like the biggest threat to the World Cup to any team that's not France are the French TV directors, to be honest with you. <laughs> But that that That's I can it. that I can get by as a, as a, <laughs> as a Munster fan who has been burned by that more than anyone else. It feels like I can get behind that. That or maybe you know. The fact that there are other good teams in the competition, but that's that's too rational considering the, <laughs> the rabbit hole we've gone down here. Personally, I will say, I think the only thing that will stop Ireland is things that they can't account for, which is Dupont showing up on the day or South Africa just clicking, which we know they can do even though in a recent podcast we've had lads say South Africa's consistency, no one's talking about it, but they've been an inconsistent team for four years. They've followed up two big wins with a poor loss. So they could click. And New Zealand always have it in them in a World Cup that they could do it. Or there could be a heap of injuries that are just insurmountable. But I think that's the only way that Ireland do get stopped on the, mm. on the route. And I did have a bold prediction coming into the... I suppose, was it the Summer Nation Series, I think it's called now, saying that one of Argentina, England, Wales, Australia would get to the final because 
they pull off a shock in the semi-final, having watched them, I'm a lot less confident of that because they've been so far behind. You know, it's it's just remarkable. It's like watching the difference in standard between, say, a top URC team and a premiership team or whatever. You know, that that's that's what we're talking about here. And I suppose I am confident. I just have my own ways of doing things, yeah. which I know, you know, no, it, I wor- mean, it worked for the URC final, I should say. All, all joking aside, um, I mean, I think it's... It, it's not so much that we, you know, it's a, it's a assumption that we're going to win, but I think that um, as the, the Irish rugby program, as it's evolved through the years, um, we're, we're no longer in this case of like, oh, plucky Ireland punching above their weight and hoping to, hoping to maybe get an upset and get to the top table. And we are standing uh, squarely alongside these. There's France, there's New Zealand, there's South Africa, all contenders we're we're with them and they're they're looking at us just as the same as they're looking at each other um as contenders and and i i, I don't know where else you'd want to be going into a tournament like this if you if you feel you're going to have a have a chance of winning it and that's the that that's what's made we started we started this pod by talking about the buzz and i think that's what's creating the buzz it's just how how confident uh, we can feel and how much we dare i say believe in this team like we're we're number one in the world for, for yeah. a reason you know and i'm not i don't think we should shy away from that or then suddenly go ah well look and like no like we beat the teams to get there we like we've talked about we've won a series in new zealand we've recently beat south africa we've just won a grand slam we're playing some of the best rugby Ireland have ever played and we're going into a tournament that is yes it's stacked against us in 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 some ways like it'd be great if at least one of New Zealand, France, or South Africa, we're on the other side of the draw, but they're not. You know, that's life. You know, there's nothing we can really do about that. But there's no reason to be afraid of those teams. We have the ability to beat them on our day. And the thing is, we'll be having our day a lot more recently than not. And that's where I, that's where we think we should take the the strength of belief to think we can win the World Cup. And that's why I think we will. No, that's fair. And to, I should add that I'm more confident i'm the most confident i've been going into a world cup bar 2015 where i thought it was it was there it was there for ireland and to be fair it probably was if they stayed injury free it was probably you know it would have been a toss for coin between themselves and australia you'd have imagined on that day um and listen we just wait and see now to be fair we were world number one in 2019 but that's just because rankings have their have their loopholes and we we fell into number one big just because we bet wales despite being a half-strength for one of those games. But anyways, we're going to talk predictions. Now, you've kind of put your head up there and said, we're going for Ireland, so I don't really know what to do here. I suppose i just just go with the tournament as a whole. You know, EC Ireland doing it. But how do you see the knockout stages planning out? We'll just focus on Ireland side of the draw, because it looks like whoever comes out of those two quarterfinals will get to the final. That's what the consensus is. So... Park starting with yourself. How do you see that the top half of that draw playing out? I think we're going to see France in the quarterfinals. I think with their injuries this soon to the beginning of the tournament, New Zealand might just skip by them. And I think that's going to be a very good game to watch uh, for a quarterfinal. Who will we possibly face in the semifinal is someone I think we should be beating. And I think we'll face the other the winner of New Zealand versus South Africa in the final, <laughs> to be honest, or whoever comes out of the group with us. I think that's who we're going to face in the final. 
we're going to do it the hard way. It's going to be great. To, to say that Ireland are going to win the World Cup and, you know, completely off your own bat is one thing. To say we're going to beat France in the quarterfinal is an entirely new ballpark that I, I'm definitely not comfortable anymore. But We'll have to beat France at some point to win this World Cup. Not necessarily. You know, like South Africa won a World Cup last time they not beaten New Zealand. Typically, if you don't play New Zealand, you have a better chance of winning the World Cup. Like, there's, there's that too. But I suppose we have to play one of them unless Italy do us a huge, huge solid. It'd more likely be both, given how they'll end up on the other side of the draw for the semis. So, yeah. like, it's, it's just one of the things. I don't see anyone, apart from a shock Argentina, on the other side of the draw beating one of New Zealand, France, South Africa, Ireland in potential semifinals. And, and, and of course, in history, uh, Argentina has always been a shock Argentina. But uh, for, for as far as Ireland's concerned, but uh, I mean, I think even now um, it's it's it, I mean, I can't really I can't really argue with the way Parix laid it out there. It's 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 just that's um, I think Ireland this first game between France and New Zealand. I remember going back to the last World Cup. Remember New Zealand played South Africa. Um, was it the first game? Was it was it their first round match? Yeah, it was the same kind of round, thing. Yeah. And it was, it was, that was kind of a free hit. I mean, New Zealand won that game, but who won the World Cup? You know, that kind of way. It's, uh, so it's, 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 it, this, this first game, France, New Zealand, it's going to, it, it will sort out who finishes first and second in on that side, on that pool. But like you say, we're going to have to play, probably going to have to play one, if not both of them eventually. So it's, for me, it's just, it doesn't, you, you can't really hope uh, what's going to happen in other and who your opponent is going to be. Um, this is a team that's focused on who they put, who they play each time in the day. And um, they've overcome, they've, they've beaten all these other teams to get where they are. This isn't kind of a fluky ranking with a, with a, with a lucky tour here and there, they've won the matches to not only get that berth, but keep it. So it's, um, it's, it's a different situation for Ireland. So, I mean, you just have to be confident, you know? I'm, I'm definitely confident. I should say that in case anyone is, can't see my facial expressions because they're listening to the podcast as opposed to on YouTube. I am confident. I am just scared of, of putting that confidence <laughs> out there to the world. And, you know, there, there is that side of things. I should add, I actually don't see New Zealand going all the way. I know Park mentioned that I, I didn't get the chance to jump in. I think it's between France, South Africa and Ireland at the moment. I think it's a three-horse race with New Zealand a bit behind. But that's, I could be proven very wrong because I also said, I don't buy the South African hype. They won't win the World Cup around this time four years ago. So maybe just don't listen to me. That, that's I do. <laughs> Sorry, do. I have a full World Cup. That's a, not coming. a good thing to say on your podcast. <laughs> no, it's really not actually. <laughs> but like, you have my head fried with all this, that's it, with that's all it. this talk. But lads, we will leave it there. So we are into World Cup week and like we're, we're into the swing of things now. So it's the excitement is through the roof and I hope the same goes for everyone listening. So thanks very much for, for coming on today and for being so brazen in your predictions I suppose <laughs> there's no other way of putting it for those at home this is just the beginning in some regards I've a written piece looking looking ahead to the tournament as a whole as well as looking ahead to Ireland there'll be a preview and recap of the Romania game in Ireland's opening game as well as a, a weekly round review pod coming in early next week so around Monday after the, after the first round or maybe Tuesday so again, thanks very much to the lads for joining. I'm sure we'll have them on at some stage during the World Cup. And thanks to everyone at home for listening. So if you like what you see or hear, please do subscribe. You'll find the links for my channels, my Twitter pages, the lads' Twitter pages, and the lads' podcasts 
down below and as always I do highly recommend them Porrick for all things Connacht in Ireland Jeff for all things Leinster and Ireland but for now folks please take it easy and enjoy the Rugby World Cup Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>